0: If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here is the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Michaela gaffin
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Navigating Complicated Relationships. I'm your host, Gaffin Gaffinstone, and this week I'm talking about what do you do now? And the current events are such that <clears throat> we we have a sort of ongoing stress at the moment and this this episode is for teachers. It's for parents as well, but I'm thinking of teachers now in the classroom. Um those who are looking for help navigating the stressful times that we're living in. And you know, are you wondering what you're supposed to do now? Last week's episode gave a lot of tips on how to look after your mental health, how to limit the damage to your children, called by caused by basically the, the daily trauma that we call news. This week's episode focuses on what to say and do as an educator and as parent. I mean, it's always transferable, right? But there's nothing untold or unshown in the news. And a lot of the um, more awful propaganda is actually untrue as well. It it is attributed incorrectly. There was something that happened this morning that I would uh, point to. But anyway, we see it all no matter what. And the kids can't process this they they hear the adults they see images if the adults aren't careful with the news and they hear other kids talking and you know kids love to scare kids right so they will make the stories if they can even more awful than they are when they tell them to each other because they can tell them in a way that those kids will resonate with and that's, that's really scary. So enter the teacher who is someone who has an, a hugely important role in helping children of all ages to cope with this turmoil that the current events are bringing up. Even if you're doing your best to shield kids, some of it is getting through and they'll have questions. Many of them are probably showing signs of stress and anxiety in their behaviors. A lot will depend on the um, area that you live in and the demographic of the people there, but don't underestimate the damage that this global problem is causing. So looking for ways to navigate your own mental health and theirs is, you know we need a lot of resources for this. So I did some digging and I contacted a teacher in training actually, good person to talk to who had, all kinds of things to offer for teachers in the classroom. But before we get to that, I would just like to recap from last week because it was such there was such a lot in that episode, and I feel it was rather – it could have been overwhelming, but there's so much that we needed to go through that I invite you to listen to that one again as well. And if you didn't listen to it, go check it out because the, there is – a lot of tools and tips in there that you can use now you can use later unfortunately we will need them again and it's just good to put in your toolkit it's good information to have i'm mikayla gaffinstone i'm a board certified behavior analyst i'm also a parent coach and i use human design and behavior analysis together to help people navigate through their lives in the best most optimal way So whether that's you with your children, you yourself, you know, you don't have to have kids to benefit from this. But my ultimate aim is to help people do better than they were doing before and to find the answers that they're looking for. Human design is often a a great path for finding answers and we can literally quantum leap with human design at the start of uh, a coaching process because we don't have to do trial and error so much. There's a lot of information right there in your human design, and we can use that to navigate forward. The behavior science comes in to help you do the things the way you want to do them most effectively. And I'm bringing that to this difficult topic this week. So to quickly recap, last week I was saying that, um, we're trying to juggle all the global trauma that's going on today and that can bring on overwhelm and emotional paralysis. And what that looks like is you just can't get out of bed. You can't function properly. And I mentioned polyvagal theory in a fair amount of depth, but just to recap briefly, polyvagal theory says that when your brain is flooded with stress hormones, you can't think straight. You can't come up with good solutions you don't know what to do next you just can't make good decisions from there because your brain is flooded with let's run from the saber-toothed tiger or let's get away from the rockets as we currently have so from that position you you are kind of helpless so you need to find ways to re-regulate your system and get to a place of calm and Connectedness. And that might sound sort of woo and airy fairy, but actually, it's really not. It's very basic. Human beings need that in order to be able to function. If you're not calm and in control of yourself, then what can you possibly hope to control externally? Nothing. You can't help your classroom. You can't help yourself. So, we're going to go into some tricks and tips for getting yourself uh, into a calmer state during this episode, so don't go away. And I do hope that you've got your notepad and pen because that's, you know, I always give you stuff to make notes about, right? So you can always go back and listen again if you want to. Um, But let's carry on and see how many notes you can make. So your kids in the classroom, whatever age they are, do you have any that are showing different signs of behavior? than they usually do. For example, is there a lack of interest in regular activities, moodiness, irritability? You know, these things can be signs of mental exhaustion that I just mentioned. Um, It can lead to depression. And certainly a lot of kids will be exhibiting anxiety, particularly if they belong to specific demographics that are being um, targeted right now in this global violence. So, if you're finding yourself as a teacher being easily triggered or bothered by things that don't normally bother you that is also a sign that things are getting to you and you need to take care of yourself you need to set boundaries so that you don't let people into your space that are not there to help you and that includes news and information as well because you know your brain does not know the difference between what is actually happening to you And what you're imagining or what you're seeing. It is all the same as far as the brain's concerned, and it will respond with a release of hormones that's trying to get you out of trouble. So, you know, be aware you need to limit how much of that is impacting you. But even then, take care of your mental health because this is a time of great challenge for everybody. And I'd just like to mention too that propaganda is always a part of war strategy. It was in World War II, it was in World War I, and it certainly is today. So don't expose yourself to a whole lot of propaganda. And if you are fascinated by the news and can't put it down, then at least look at different places, get different sources. Otherwise you are getting one specific view and that is unlikely to be correct, right? News channels don't give you the news. They give you their bias. Always. doesn't matter who the channel is. It's just that's how it works. So blend your sources, mix up your sources if you're going to do that, because otherwise, you know, you're down a dark tunnel. It would help if you and your fellow teachers could have some meetings together to find out what you each need. Like, how can you help your community of teachers? How can you help the wider community of the parents and kids that are there. Like what strategies can you come up with within your school to make a difference? Could it be uh, events that you hold that show solidarity and sympathy for all of those who are suffering? Something like that, because there there has been uh, research that shows kids do better when teachers take action. Teachers need to do something. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, solve the world's problems, but kids need to be acknowledged that stuff is going on and that they're not okay. It's it's a very big deal for kids in these days. So before we dive too much further in, I again want to recap because this is important. There are signs in among your your teaching colleagues, um, other people that work at the school. You know, it doesn't have to be just teachers, but have a look at the people around you and see, do you see signs of mental exhaustion as I described previously? Lack of interest in normal activities, lack of motivation at work, um, just moodiness, irritability, oversensitivity, easily annoyed, is anybody getting very snippy with you? Are you hearing a lot of cynicism, doubt, depression? And look at the anxieties, because a lot of people are going to be exhibiting that. What can you do to help them? Can you have a meditation in your classroom? That would be really cool to to add in if it's at all practical for you, like a five minute meditation at the start of class to just get everybody breathing in a, a sort of calm, relaxed manner. Because, you know, if you do this shallow, rapid breathing that a lot of us do when we're sort of getting into the news or getting into something that makes us anxious, that signals the body that we're not safe, this this is this is awful, we, we need to run, we gotta get out of here. It's a prey breathing. Whereas if you breathe slowly and deeply, your body gets the signal that, oh, we're okay. Nothing's happening, nothing's chasing us. Because if it was, you wouldn't be able to breathe deeply, right? You don't breathe deeply when you're running. It's, you know, a slow, deep breath signals the body to calm down with the hormones and just, you know, you're you're safe and you're okay. So that would help your kids and you to get into a space where you can, you know, begin the day's session. And if you want to have small group conversations, maybe with the kids in the class, it depends on the age. This this would be more the older kids. But. Is there something where you can look for some light in the dark? Like Mr. Rogers on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he always used to say that when there's trouble, look for the helpers. Who are the people helping? Because there's always someone. So can you find helpers in your classroom? Can you find helpers in your community? Focus on them. Can you bring someone into the classroom to have a talk to the kids? This would be really good. Now I'm I'm talking about someone who can bring in a positive light. That doesn't mean that that person is minimizing the experience. And that's really key to understand. Minimizing somebody else's experience is never a good thing to do. It has them feel unseen, unheard and undervalued. And I know that there's no teacher that wants to do that to their kids or you wouldn't be a teacher, right? Like, why would you you set yourself up for all the work that is being a teacher if you didn't want your kids to do well and to succeed. So bear those things in mind, here's some tips for you, You know who is in your community that you could bring in. And I don't know if you have um, a rabbi in your community that would be willing to come and talk, plus somebody from the Muslim community that would be willing to come and talk. And if they could even share the stage, that would be fabulous. Um, You know, it's something to think about. Bring the leaders in who can help guide the local community, because you can't do much about what's going on in another country, but you can start at home and help at home so that you can work from there. We need to work toward the light, okay, and not just wallow in the dark. So that's a lot of recap from the previous session, which I hope you got to hear. And if you didn't, please do go back and listen to it. I have more tips and suggestions for the classroom after the break, so please don't go anywhere. I'm Michaela Gaffinstone here on the Inspired Choices Network, and you're listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships.
0: What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Makayla Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Makayla Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with makayla Gaffin Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program.
1: Welcome back to part two, I guess. I don't usually call it that, but we can call it that today of navigating complicated relationships. And it's, so what do you do now? All this news is out there. Kids are responding or reacting. Can we get them to a place of responding? That's another thing with getting into a a calm and connected state. If you are dysregulated and you know you're very upset. You've got the hormones flooding your brain, saying ah run. Then you know you're you're dysregulated and you're reacting. You're not responding. Reaction doesn't require thought. It's a quick sort of quick fire um, reaction. That's that's the word I'm going to have to use. So when we react, we don't think. And when we don't think, sometimes we can say things that will cause hurt to other people. I've experienced this myself recently, where somebody um, was not at all thinking about what they were saying, and they said some very hurtful things. And when I was calm again and regulated again afterwards, I had to think about that and, and sort of think, why did this person go on the attack like that? And, you know, I can't be certain, but I would say it's because they had just seen some pretty traumatic stuff on the news and needed to blame somebody and needed to yell at somebody. And so they did. That's being in a reactive state. Now, being in a calm and connected state, you can be responsive. And that's where you're going to look around your classroom, look at the kids, look around your community and say, what can I do to help? And how can I get other people helping? If your kids are older, it would be wonderful to have them Go and help the younger kids in the school. Think of ways to sort of talk with them and figure out what would they like to do? Because even going and playing games with the younger kids can be helpful. Kids need to feel connected. They need to feel that they matter, that they're not being lost in all of this darkness. And older kids can help you with that. It doesn't all have to be on the teacher's shoulders. It doesn't all have to be on the parent's shoulders. Let's bring the community and use the opportunity to foster something good in the middle of all that dark. And, you know, students don't have to be directly related to someone or personally involved in the incident in order to experience stress, anxiety, sadness, or trauma. Local events are more likely to have an obvious impact, yes, but these events from far away are also you know, the sheer magnitude and scale of what's going on and people's reactivity to it is, you know, it it becomes this massive thing that kids can't not react to. They can't not be stressed by. I mean, it would be concerning actually if, if they didn't experience some distress about what's going on. So, if you think about it, we want to balance that. And, and yes, they're going to have questions, and you need to work through those questions. But I would say I caution against saying anything that you have heard in the news or that is an opinion that you've formed. Because, you know, we all have opinions, but are they really examined? Do you actually have different perspectives before you form that opinion? Generally speaking not that's not how our brains work. So, you know, if you're about to say something to the class that's your opinion, I invite you to take a deep breath and pause and go for something more objective. Like what are the facts that you can talk about and and what age level are you talking to? How appropriate is it? Perhaps you can just sort of acknowledge that yes, something's happening, but you don't need to go into great detail about it. Um, Sometimes the students can feel so connected to what's going on, particularly if they're into doom scrolling, they feel so connected to it all that it feels like it's happening to them. And then there can be a layer of like guilt going on that, well, I feel it, but I'm not there. I'm here and I'm safe here. These people are not safe so I feel guilty. And in that guilt, that person will sort of scroll more for more information um, because it helps them to feel like they're a part of things. And that doesn't sound logical necessarily, because why would you do something that makes you feel awful? But then if you do that to feel connected, I I can see how the brain would take you there. And this is a sort of known response, if you will, of the brain to to have you feel guilty about being safe when others aren't, right? That's just, it's a thing that we do. Um, You can also have kids there that have got some traumas in their own life that are being triggered. Memories of it are being triggered by current events. Now that's a pretty big deal in your classroom. And if you have access to a board certified behavior analyst, I suggest you bring them in and have them help you figure through some of the behaviors that you're seeing and how to address them. Because that kind of trigger can cause a sort of cascade of behavior that you'd look at and say, well, I don't understand where this is coming from. It's too much given that the child's not seeing the news. But is it? It's probably not too much given that it's triggered previous trauma. So that's another thing to look at and consider. There's, um, there are articles out there that you can look at. There's one called Teaching in Times of Crisis, and it's from the Center for Teaching and Learning. Um, I think it's Canadian, but anyway, Google that, and I'm sure you'll come up with something. Uh, there are other articles out there as well, but I'm, I'm not here to give you a, a research thing. So, role of the teacher. Do something. As I mentioned before, there has been research that shows ignoring things, pretending they don't exist does not help. Kids feel unseen, unheard and unimportant. And that's not what we want to do to them. So something at all, just acknowledge that it exists, acknowledge that something awful has occurred and students will feel better than they did before you spoke. It's, it's like it takes the lid off a secret that they're trying to hide. And it's not really their secret to hide, right? So the elephant in the room needs to be acknowledged for its existence. Students have, have reported that just about anything is helpful, even if the instructor's response isn't the best, you know, and, and, and it's just minimal. It's better than nothing. So you're ahead of the game if you even address the subject. You could do one minute of silence for all the people involved. You know, you know, being partisan at this point, being um, nationalistic at this point is not gonna help the students. It's polarizing, obviously. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the situations we have. So let's go for all the people who are suffering, shall we? And one person's suffering isn't less important than another's, so a minute of silence could be good. or incorporating the histories into the lesson plan. Again, all of this depends on the age, or maybe you could write letters to people. Um, You know, you can have kids drawing pictures to people, making cards, maybe they could send them to the local um, old age homes. My Canadian and my American escapes me right now, but that's why we call them in the UK. yeah, maybe they can do something there to help those people feel a bit better. You know, like taking some action would be good. Um, The most problematic response you can have is no response, just not acknowledging that the crisis has occurred. So I invite you to be brave, take a deep breath and assess your kids. What kind of thing do they need to know? Now, some people are likely to say, well, it doesn't affect my community. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's listening. Perhaps they should be. Maybe they should be paying attention. This is not something that you can really ignore when there's so many people involved. So even if it doesn't particularly involve your community, in that case, how can you help another community where it does involve them? I still invite you to bring your kids into the position of helpers? Can you turn them into Fred Rogers helpers that are always gonna step up when they're needed? Because that is what we really need. So acknowledge the event took place, research and educate yourself to know the context of what's going on. And if you don't know it, it's perfectly fine and preferable for you to acknowledge that. I've seen a lot of people making comments and sounding off on subjects that it's pretty clear they don't know what they're talking about um because if you do know the context it's glaringly obvious when somebody doesn't so I would say don't pretend if you don't know it research and if you don't want to research or you've researched and you still don't get it okay just say so but it's you know, it's a current event. So how far, how far do you want to go with that? Um, share resources and information. If you have something that's really useful that you can pass to somebody else, do that. If you think somebody else might have something, do that. Like maybe, again, I mentioned earlier the rabbi and the leader from the Muslim community. If you contact them, contact those communities and ask them, what what do you have that we can help our students with? Can you if you, if they can come and talk, great. But if they can't, do they have any resources to point you to? Do they have any suggestions for topics or ways that you can handle this to promote people's feelings of safety and being okay? We don't want to foster fighting kind of thoughts. There's plenty of that out there. But you know, where can you get some? resources from outside and take your time. Don't rush through the topic. It's a long standing problem. It's something that affects all of humanity at some point. There are other countries that have problems. You know, Ukraine and Russia didn't go away. They're still suffering over there too. So maybe you can bring that in. Again, assess your kids. How are they doing mentally? Is their resilience good? Can they handle you doing that? I'm not saying let's just throw the whole pot in there and make it all terrible, but what can your kids handle? And what can they do to help when you bring something in? Because feeling that you can take action is the best thing you can do for somebody. You know, last week when I did my podcast episode and I was talking about ways to minimize trauma for people who are witnessing what's going on, that helped me to be able to put that out to help you. So again, I'm doing it this week because this is helping me to hopefully help you. How can you pass that on? Because that's what human beings are here for. We we are intrinsically here to help each other. That's the purpose, whether you like it or not. So, you know, you may, you may be grumpy and I don't like people and I want to stay in my cave. OK, but that's not what we're here for. So How are you going to help your community and who can you talk to? It's already time for another break. Holy smokes. So I'm going to have another drink of my cacao. Yes, that's what's in my mug. And I will see you in just a moment here on Inspired Choices Network, navigating complicated relationships. And Boy, this is complicated. See you in a minute. Don't go away.
0: What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Michaela Gaffin Stone, will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program.
1: Welcome back everyone. And I'm delighted you're still here. Thank you for hanging in with me. I am talking mostly to teachers today and somewhat to parents and also adults that don't have kids, because this basically affects everybody right now. Current events are current for everyone. So before the break, I mentioned that kids need to feel connected. They need to feel seen, heard, and that they count, that they're not lost in the darkness of what's going on. And it is so crucial, because if you can think back to your own childhood and some of the things that you carry with you today – Are those not connected? Like you at some point were told that you talk too much or you're too much of this, not enough of that. Somebody put their opinions on you and you believed them because you were a child and that's what kids do. And this is important to think of now. That's what kids do. They take in all this information. They make it about themselves because that's the only thing they can do, right? They don't have that broad Worldview to say, oh, that's not mine, that belongs over here. Mm-mm, that's nothing to do with me. I'm going to put it over there. No, everything is absorbed and it becomes a story about you. So we have to be so careful right now with what stories are these kids taking in about themselves. Are they taking in stories that they are being victims or are, that everything is terrible and the world is an, an unsafe place and it's all awful and you know, you need to hide. Or are they taking in stories that even when times get tough, I can help? Even when things are rough out there, I can do something good. Wow. Is that a different narrative to grow up with? If you take that in as part of yourself as a child, you are going to end up being a very different adult to the one who says, everything's awful and I'm going to stay in my cave because I don't want to come out ever again. You know, th- there's a very different individual that comes out of that, their decision making will be different. Their showing up in the world will be different. The outcome of their life on this planet will be different. So you have such an important role if you have anything to do with children. So if you're a teacher, can you reduce school pressure? Can you talk with students about how they're doing? Re-examine the workflow that you have for them. Um, What are necessary tasks? Can you shift deadlines? Again, this will depend on how much your particular community is being affected. But if you're seeing signs that there's a lot of distress in there, or if you're feeling it yourself, you know, this is important to take care of you so that you can take care of them. So is it possible for you to reduce that workflow a little bit or give people some grace on this, including yourself. you got to understand that while we're in a state of trauma response, neural functioning is not at its peak, meaning these kids are not going to be able to do their best work. Right. I'm sure you knew that, but I want to make sure anybody who's not a teacher and not a parent also knows that. So. You know, varying degrees of intensity can come out of that um, trauma response. And accommodations may or may not be a good option for some students. So learn about that. What, what can you do to help them? Do they need more time? Do they just need to not do a particular task? Can you create a safe space? And let me just define this, um, but a safe space where students can feel safe to express their own perspectives and beliefs now here's the thing we often take the word safe to mean non-confrontational non-controversial uh non-challenging right that's not safe that's limp that's that's just it's artificial, and you know everybody is triggered by everything, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and it, it's a nonsense. Um, it takes things too far. A safe space is where somebody feels that they can express their opinion respectfully, without being shut down by the others. You know, without getting into trouble because they don't agree with everyone else. And I have found that some places there's a a country I'm not going to name right now that prides itself on um, being very warm, friendly, and you know, uh, safe space for everybody, but they're not. They're safe for some and not for others. So make sure your classroom is not like that. Your classroom needs to be safe for everybody to express their perspectives, their beliefs, and maybe examine them and sort of say, Well, where did you come by that? Why do you think it? that way? You know, what's your information? Not in a challenging way, but coming from curiosity. Let's understand where we all are. This is something you can do in the classroom that is better than any learning from a book that you're going to get today. So really working through where kids are coming from. And you can identify unexamined beliefs. You can identify where propaganda has snuck in and made its mark. And maybe look at that, shine a light on it, and, and just sort of, well, you know, how did you come up with that? Where did you hear it? Or why do you think it? Where did it come from? Again, not in a place of you're not allowed to think that way because those places are safe for some and not for others. And that is so unhelpful. I, I can't use the words on a public forum, but don't do that, please. So if you're going to have kids sharing their perspectives and beliefs, examine your own perspectives and beliefs and your own emotional responses and maybe how your politics influence how you teach and interact your kids you know that's we're all human and we all bring all of our parts to the table right so i'm i'm not getting down on anybody here i'm trying to shine a light on the different things that we bring that we might not even be conscious of right? We all have our perspectives. That's kind of what the brain does is it gives you a lot of viewpoints. But now is a great time to examine some of those more fiery viewpoints or more depressive viewpoints. You know, really look at them. Is it it true? Or is it just something that I heard and, and everybody else seemed to believe it? You don't have to believe the same thing as everybody else. And neither do your kids. So again, as the teacher, you're in such a powerful position right now, and it's such a responsible position that I would love for you to really sit down and brainstorm with the other teachers and find out how can you help those kids? You know, consider how long talking about it would take. Acknowledge nonverbal communication, like the the body language that you're seeing. Can you have community agreements within your classroom on how kids are going to interact with each other how they're going to behave that's one of those things toward creating a safe space and it doesn't mean nobody can say xyz because that upsets me because that's you know that's taking it to the nth degree and it's a sort of choked political correctness you know being respectful is one thing, taking it to the point where you're afraid to speak is a whole other, and it becomes a problem in itself. Can you teach your kids empathetic listening? Wow. Active listening. Wow. You know, people usually listen to respond, right? They're not really taking in the content of what's being said. Superficially, yes, but it's, it's more a case of okay, okay, all right, all right, I got you, I got you. Now, listen, I have to tell you this thing before I forget it, or yes, yes, but this is important. I have to tell you this thing. You didn't hear what that person was saying. You didn't receive what that person was saying when you're in that place of listening to respond. So can you teach that to the kids that they take a pause before answering maybe? that they don't listen to respond, but they actually get some input from the other person. Because, you know, people do better when they feel that they're being seen and heard. Every single human being on this planet does better under those conditions. So can we have students give that to each other and you demonstrate it for them? Can you acknowledge your own sort of distress, if you will, to the kids? doesn't mean cry all over them I'm just saying you know can you let them know that you too feel this and how it's affected you maybe a little bit you don't want to go into the whole personal detail but it's more a case of modeling for them that vulnerability is a strength and that acknowledging how you feel is safe in this environment you lead the way you are the leader you're the teacher right And if you're doing this at home, again, you're the parent. So you're the leader in that household. I invite you to step up and really use this time as an opportunity. Can you imagine I'm using that word right now? But use it as an opportunity to really teach your kids some vital skills that people are clearly missing right now. Empathetic listening, active listening. Can you balance the power in the classroom? Again, this is part of making a safe environment. So you don't have one group of kids strutting around like they own the place and another group hiding in the corner. Now you might be wondering where does that ever happen? I've seen it. It's it, it can be a thing and if it's not in your classroom, then I congratulate you for not having that issue right now. That's fantastic. And continue to support your kids even when things are, less in the news. You know, a year ago, Ukraine was all in the news and everybody was upset. Now you don't hear about it so much, but it's still there and it's still happening. Continue to support those kids who are feeling it, who are connected to it in some way, who hear about it. Maybe they have relatives involved. Do you know? Maybe they have friends involved, friends of relatives. There's all kinds of connections that there could be. Do you know? Maybe that's something to find out from your kids. So from the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you go to bed at night, right now you need to take care of you and look at ways to turn that outside and take care of others. Because if we can all step up, again, like Mr. Rogers says, then we will do so much better. And that's my hope for now is that people will really step into helping each other and stop yelling. You know, on social media, everybody's yelling at everybody else and and shouting their opinions. Well, you know, opinions are like backsides. We've all got them. So if you have a really strong opinion, sit on it. We don't need to hear that right now. It's not helpful. So please keep it to yourself. Now, again, I do coaching with people using human design, behavior analysis. I work with kids. I work with parents. And I work with people who are breaking trauma cycles. So if any of this is you, if you just feel the need to talk to someone, if you would like to be seen and heard, I am here for you. And you can contact me at Mickey at Gaffenstone.com. That's M-I-K-K-I at Gaffin, G-A-F-F-E-N. Stone.com. That's still my email. My website is gaffinstone.com. And you can find me through there too. And you can learn a bit more about who I am looking at that. So I invite you to get in touch with me. I invite you to get in touch with the leaders in your community and see who can help, who can come in and talk to your kids, who can come in and talk to you and give you some support. And can you rely on the other teachers for some support? How amazing would that be? if we could all get some solidarity and some you know, cohesiveness as a community. COVID kind of fractured everybody and, and had everybody hiding in their homes and you know, keeping distance. This is another major world trauma that we can bring everybody together with. So try looking at it from that perspective. And I would love to know any questions you have, any concerns that you have, anything constructive that you would like to add. I'm not interested in anything destructive. Um, That's just a matter of course. So please do get in touch with me. Send me your questions. I'm on social media. You can get me my email. You can find my website. Thank you so much for listening today. And I will see you next week when we talk about dyslexia, decoding dyslexia. Woo! That's going to be a big topic too.
0: What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Michaela Gaffin-Stone, will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Gaffin Gaffinstone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program.
1: Okay, I have to confess right away Did I think I was at the end of my show? Yes, I did. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That shows you what happens when somebody's working under some stress, right? And the brain just isn't quite firing the way it needs to. My goodness. So I'm glad you're still here if you're still here. And uh, if you've disappeared off into next week, well, okay. I'll see you then, too. So I mentioned that next week's topic is going to be dyslexia, and I found this wonderful resource that I'm going to summarize and present for you, so that you can discover what the early signs of dyslexia are, and which groups kind of are group, which groups of signs are things to pay attention to, and some of that can get a little fuzzy when you've got kids who are also reacting or responding to current events, right? So that brings us straight back to that. In your classroom, I mentioned that you could do some meditation of some sort. You can just use something from YouTube, that's fine, you know, just a a calm sort of meditation that's already there. Or you could play some soothing sounds, like if the kids like the sound of wind in the trees or a babbling brook. Although, honestly, if you have little kids, they're probably going to all run out to the bathroom. I I used to teach Montessori, so I know this. Um, But if you have a soothing sound that doesn't have words, you can have kids take turns to lead the rest of the class through a meditation and get them to practice it first. Don't just put Johnny on the spot because that's kind of stress creating and we don't want to do that but can you make your classroom into a a quiet environment where everybody sort of starts doing the deep intentional breathing? And then maybe you can lead the first meditation and have the kids notice how their breath feels in their body. And, you know, there might be some giggles and you can just acknowledge that and say yeah I hear some giggles in the classroom let them just pass by they can go out the door now and keep doing your deep breathing so keep bringing them back it's not a meditation is often misunderstood um, particularly in the west it's not a case of not having any thoughts and and you just sit there and you're completely blank or you sit there on you know and, and that's it our minds can't do that. Minds are continually throwing stuff at you. And when you've got a lot of stress and tension going on, that doesn't stop. I like think that's just, that's constant. The trick is to not follow those thoughts when they come up. So when something comes into your mind and it makes you giggle if you're a child, or, you know, it, it takes you off on a sort of, oh, yeah, my shopping list. I need to put some things on that. Just acknowledge to yourself that that thought came in and let it go. Don't follow it. Don't attach to it. And ask the kids to just watch their thoughts come and go and not follow them. It, again, it depends on the age group. It always does. Just take that as a a sort of given. You can do the muscle tightening and relaxing, right? That's a really good one to have kids do. Get them scrunch up their toes count to five and then slowly release their toes and maybe stretch them all the other way. You can have them work up the body, sort of really tensing up the muscles as tight as they can while still breathing. We don't want anybody holding their breath. And then they let go of that muscle and they let go of the tension with it and ask them if they can see the tension going away with that muscle relaxation. There's different ways that you can say this. You can use colors to describe the process or you can use um, sensations to describe the process and ask what the kids are noticing for themselves. Once you've done it once or twice, you can start to have the kids lead it and, you know, start with the one that's most likely to be successful, most likely to be good at it and work your way from there so that everybody gets a chance to be in front of the class or you know they can stay in their seat i'm not saying you got to stress them but just they can take a leading position because we need some leaders right now right we need people who can step up and take control in a good way in a helpful loving way so can you bring that into your classroom as well there's there's so many things for teachers to do it can be hard to know where to start so your age group is is going to be the first thing that you need to consider and then ask them what what do they need what would they what do they feel would be beneficial for them to do you know um, you might be surprised by what the kids can come up with let them know that you're looking to them to give you some help some helpful information what classroom could they go and help in Um, What community could they go and help in? Can you organize something to go to uh, care of the elderly home and do something there that's really helpful, particularly around the holidays? Can you imagine when Thanksgiving comes up, which isn't that far away if you're in the U.S.? Well, people are going to have a lot of trauma around that, particularly if they have an empty seat or if they know somebody that does. So. These are things that, you know, be prepared for that, because when Thanksgiving comes to the classroom, it's it's not all turkey. You know, there are so many other things that could come up at that time. And if you're the teacher, you want to be prepared. So this whole process right now is your opportunity to get more into your toolkit so that you can help the kids and even more importantly, help the kids help kids help the kids help their parents when they get home. What can they do that would be, you know, beneficial for the parents that would really surprise and delight them? We could all use with some surprise and delight right now, couldn't we? So, another thing that can help if you're finding yourself getting really upset at something is I mentioned it before last week, but I'll mention it again, cooling temperature. So, if you're keeping your house kind of hot, you might want to turn it down a degree. If you need a cold washcloth on your neck to just kind of calm things down a little bit, your body will respond well to that. So, oh, and dancing. I always want to mention dancing because that's just something that, you know, you don't have to think about dancing. You just move your body. It doesn't matter what you look like. Nobody cares everybody's doing their own thing. Just put some music on that you like and move. It helps your body. It helps your brain. And it can help the kids in the classroom. Like that's something else. You could start with meditation and end with dancing. Can you do that? Is there someone in the class that can sing? Can you play an instrument? Like really be inventive at this time. Really play with it in different ways so that your kids know that you're out there trying. You're doing your best to help them and have them help other people. Because if we if we don't, people feel hopeless and helpless. They feel like victims. And we're not going to do that. We're not going to be there. We're all a lot stronger than that. And you teachers, you know you're strong. You're in there batting. So let me know again if you've got any questions. See you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Makaila returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey, and with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.